I'm Megan Murphy, host of The Same Drugs. I'm here to have conversations. Real, honest, authentic conversations. The kind we aren't supposed to have anymore. I interview anyone I find interesting, from left to right to everywhere in between. I work independently in order to have the freedom to say what I believe and speak to whoever I want. But with independence comes a lot of work and some insecurity. I rely on donors and patrons, so individuals like you, to support my work so I can continue to do what I do. Please consider becoming a subscriber on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash Megan Murphy. Or you can become a supporter of this podcast directly on anchor.fm by clicking the support button on the Same Drugs podcast page. Thank you so much for supporting Conversations Outside the Algorithm. Today on the show, I am speaking with Taylor Silverman. Taylor, thank you so much for joining me on The Same Drugs. I'm really excited that uh, we have the opportunity to uh, chat. Thank you for having me, Megan. I'm really excited to talk to you. Um, I loved the post that you made on Instagram um, when, when was that? May 17th. Um, and uh, was just so inspired and proud and glad to see young women in sport speaking out about this. Um, and was particularly interested that this controversy was happening in skateboarding. Like we've obviously, there's been controversy around males who identify as transgender competing against female athletes in like swimming, track, uh, MMA, weirdly. <laughs> um, but not yet around skateboarding. Um, I'm curious to know if, if this has been an issue or a discussion in the past, or is this like a relatively new thing that's coming up? This is something that I think we've seen for a while, but a lot of people in the skateboarding community just don't talk about it. And I felt like we need to have a discussion, which is why I told my story about what happened. And I noticed that this was happening in all different sports as well. So I felt like I was put in a position where I was able to speak up for not only myself, but other girls who didn't feel comfortable speaking up or didn't want to face consequences for speaking up because I've played other sports in my life and I know that they're really important and we need a space to do that in a fair way. So I felt like the skateboarding community hasn't really discussed it. And we've seen the discussion in a lot of other sports, but wherever it's happening, we should be able to talk about it. For sure. Skateboarding is interesting because, I mean, it still is a male dominated sport. So in general, I'm always like impressed just seeing girls and young women in the skateboarding world, never mind competing. How did you get involved in skateboarding? I started skateboarding when I was 16 years old. I had begun snowboarding a couple of years before that because I grew up in Michigan where we get a lot of snow and it's really cold and boring if you don't have something to do in the winter. So I would snowboard with friends and I got to a point where I realized that the sports I played growing up and through school were going to end after high school. So 
I wanted something I could do independently wherever and travel and meet new friends and stay active. So skateboarding really appealed to me. So when I was 16, I bought a skateboard thinking I might like it because I enjoyed snowboarding and I fell in love with it immediately. Were you, um, (laughs) this is going to make me sound like a big wimp, but like, I remember when we were kids and I grew up in a co-op, so I was always around like a ton of kids. There was always like boys who were skateboarding. There was always skateboards around. And so we would kind of play with the skateboards, but I was always too scared to actually attempt skateboarding. Like I've always been like too scared of getting hurt, um, like breaking my wrist landing on my elbow, landing on my knee, yada, yada, yada. Did you have fears around that or are you just naturally fearless? I have fears around it every time I go skate. When I'm trying a new trick, I feel that fear. And skateboarding is funny, like a lot of other sports, that you love it so much that even after you fall or get hurt or go home sore and bruised and exhausted, all you can think about is going skating again because you have so much fun and so much love for it. But um, I've definitely had my fair share of injuries, most of which have been really minor, luckily. But I've had stitches and staples and broken fingers and wrists and ribs and all sorts of stuff. But it hasn't stopped me because skateboarding is such a big part of my life. And it has helped me by teaching me a lot of life skills, aside from just how to do skate tricks. So... I can't imagine ever not doing it anymore, even though sometimes you do fall and you do get hurt, but that's part of it. And if you love it, you accept that that is part of it. Yeah, totally. Um, Did you find that it was harder to get involved as a girl? Like, was that an issue for you at all? Did it feel intimidating in any way? Yeah, it was pretty intimidating and People react very differently when you're growing up in a small town and you're a young girl or a woman going to the skate park and you may be the only one there or one of very few there. So there were some people who were really supportive and thought it was really cool and were happy to have a girl in the skate community and wanted to be my friend, wanted to help me, wanted to tell me which parks were the best ones and, you know, help me to become part of the community. And then there were also people who were who would be really supportive, but it'd be almost in a condescending way. Like you'd roll into the park and they'd be like, oh my gosh, it's so amazing that you're here. Oh my gosh, you dropped in. This is crazy. And you're like, dude, chill. Like, don't treat me. (laughs) Just treat me like everybody else. But there are also people who were really rude, people who would give me dirty looks or diss me for no reason or act like I was some sort of threat because I wanted to skate at the same park as them. And there's also been times that I've genuinely felt really scared or intimidated or unsafe at the skate park because of certain things that skaters have done. But I love skateboarding and I feel like sometimes I wish I didn't love it so much because with some of the stuff that comes along with it, I don't know if I would have kept doing it. But because I love it, I put up with it and I powered through and I tried to put myself in positions where I could travel to places where I knew I'd be accepted more or spend more time at the private skate parks that you pay to skate. Because one of the things that I was really lucky to have when I was a teenager was a private indoor park in Kalamazoo, Michigan. There's a park, it's called Skate Zoo, and it's owned by this old 
vert skater. He's not that old, but he was a he was a really good vert skater, and now he owns a park and a shop. And I always felt really comfortable there and really welcome there. And I knew I was safe there. Like I'm on camera, I'm in a private building, and still to this day, that's where I go when I want to feel really comfortable. And it feels like my home park. And I just there's so many nostalgic memories there. Even walking in and smelling the place that has like a very distinct skate park smell. Mm-hmm. But I think that women really need spaces like that that are safe. And I'm really grateful that I had one because I don't know how it would have gone if I would have only had some of the public parks that I felt really intimidated and scared at to learn at when I was young. Yeah, to me, it does seem like a pretty intimidating space, you know, especially if you are new to walk in as a girl to a skate park that's dominated by boys and young men, a lot of whom are probably like really good. And even for men, I think that it can be intimidating when you first start going to the skate park, if you don't really know what you're doing, or don't quite understand the etiquette of the park or know anybody there. But um, a lot of people just start out skating in their driveway or like their basement. That's what I did. I was trying to learn the basics before I even went to the park, because I knew that people were going to laugh at me. But for the most part, People at the skate park know the process of learning. They understand that nobody's good when they start. It's really challenging. And anyone who's willing to try, put in the effort and come back and try again the next day, regardless of if they got it or if they fell and had no success in what they were trying that day, they get it. It's a passion and we have that in common. So a lot of people are cool. Unfortunately, there are people who are not that cool to certain members of the community, but I am very fortunate to have met more cool people than people who have made me feel unwelcome. But um, in a small town growing up, young girl in the skate community, it wasn't always easy. But luckily, I was in the right place and was with a lot of the right people most of the time. So I'm really grateful for that. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm curious to know like, if you were always kind of an adventurous kid you know as we talked about like it's it's less common for girls and and young women to get involved in sports like skateboarding um I wonder if you kind of grew up identifying as like a tomboy or if you were always kind of into like I don't know roughhousing or doing dangerous things where you might break a bunch of bones (laughs) yeah I um I was definitely a tomboy growing up, although it wasn't like a consistent thing throughout my entire childhood or like teenage years. But I was, you know, into wearing like baggy clothes and sneakers all the time as a kid. But I grew up with a single dad and he's super athletic. So I was always involved in sports growing up. I did everything that he signed me up for. So I did Taekwondo when I was little. And then I got really into basketball as a kid and eventually I kind of found my place in softball and I was a softball pitcher for many years, but I realized, um, like, I think I am kind of the adventurous type. I wanted to learn to snowboard. I always liked watching like jackass and nitro circus and all that stuff growing up. So it was exciting and it looked fun. But, um, I think the thing that really made me want to skateboard was that you could do anything you wanted with it. You didn't have a coach. You didn't have a team. You could skate with people. You could skate alone. You could skate in a contest. You could skate without any judgment at all. You could skate 
anywhere that you go and travel. And it just seemed so freeing to me. And it was a really cool way for me to express myself. So aside from just like the gnarly aspect of it being exciting, it was just very creative and I felt drawn to it. And I can't really put my finger on exactly when I thought skateboarding is what I want to do, but I had seen like friends skateboard. I had seen, you know, the skateboarding video games growing up, the Tony Hawk video games and some videos. But, and then I remember like when I was a kid, um, the first time I saw a girl skateboard was probably like Avril Lavigne in a music video. Right. <laughs> and I thought it looked really cool. So yeah, once I started doing it, I didn't know if I'd get really into it and really passionate about it or take it very seriously. In fact, I didn't think I would. I thought it would just be like a hobby, which it still is. It's just a hobby. It's just something I love to do. But um, it's taken me a lot of places. It's gotten me to travel. And I've been lucky enough to even make some money doing it, but nothing crazy. And it's just a really wonderful part of my life. When did you start competing? I started competing after a few years of skating. I think I was in like my 20s, early 20s. And I started competing because there would be local contests in Michigan. And I realized that this was a way for me to go out and meet the other girls in a very small community at the time of girls who avidly skateboarded where I was from in different surrounding cities. And I realized I was doing pretty good at these contests, which is what made me want to try traveling to different states and doing some of the bigger AM contests. Although I competed in AM level, I, like some of the media was reporting that I was pro or like this amazing professional skateboarder. And um, I'm, I just compete at an AM level. Like I, I just do it for fun and I do get paid sometimes, which is awesome. But anybody can go to a skate contest. Some of them you have to qualify for and get invited. But, like, it's just meant to be a fun thing. And I think, like, in other sports, it's important because the people who put the hard work in and really treat it like a sport or like a career deserve to have that space for equal opportunity. And I have benefited a lot from it. And it has helped me develop my character and who I am as a person and help me meet a lot of people and create new connections within the community. So I really like this space. So in skateboarding, uh, when you're competing, are you always competing against only other females and, and also, you know, are males always only competing against other males? Are there ever co-ed competitions? Usually if there's a contest that men and women are together, it's because there is no women's division and there's a woman who wants to skate or okay. there's not <laughs> enough women for the women's division. Although I think sometimes smaller local contests just like do it like that because it's smaller and the same reason there's less girls. But usually what I aim to do is go to the contest with other girls because that's the most fun for me to get to compete with people who are like, who are in the same category as me. And I'd have competed in men's contests before when there haven't been girls divisions and I've done really well, but it's nice to actually be at the same place and it be like a real competition to see amongst women, how you place, because I, I, you're at the disadvantage if you compete with men. So 
you may do well, you may not. And if you do awesome, I always think it's awesome when girls place in men's contests because Mm -hmm. that's harder. But yeah, most of the time um, now, not always, because skateboarding has evolved a lot over just the past several years, but there's a women's division and that's awesome. And we should protect that because we deserve to have that. And with women skateboarding growing so much, we're only going to see more girls interested in competing in skateboarding. So what is the difference in terms of ability or skill um, in terms of male skateboarders versus female skateboarders? I think like most sports, men are just at an athletic advantage across the board. But specifically in skateboarding, skateboarding involves a lot of jumping and Men can jump higher, men are stronger, have more muscle than us, their hips are built completely differently, so the balance is a lot different. And there's all the other science behind it too, but I think it doesn't take much more than common sense to look at some of the top men and some of the top women and see that men skate harder than us. Their their capabilities are more vast than ours and women skateboarding isn't bad by any means, we're just different. And when did you start encountering uh, trans-identified skateboarders, particularly males who are identifying as trans in the skateboarding community? I have encountered, I've met trans skaters the whole time I've skated, since I started 11 years ago. I think that the skateboarding community is pretty diverse and welcoming to all types of people. At least I'd hope that most skaters feel that way. But um, I've met a lot of trans skaters over the years, and they're all cool skaters. I just think in this particular area with contests, this isn't fair for anybody. Yeah. And, and so what's happened in the past in terms of competing? Um, like, have you had to compete with or against trans-identified skaters before this particular incident? incident? Yeah, there... There have been a couple other contests where I competed with trans skaters and it wasn't really until this contest that I was aware of how big of an issue this was outside of skateboarding, like seeing the Leah Thomas story. And I had become aware of um, Fallon Fox in MMA and boxing, along with um, like track and field and high school stories and just hearing about this impact in girls on all levels. And I realized that I was in a position where I have this story to share that I'm staying silent about. And this is one people might actually listen to because Mm -hmm. I was in the second place spot and there was actually money on the line. So there was something significant that was lost. And I was feeling guilty not saying anything because I knew that with all these factors, this story could make a difference and this story could hopefully encourage people to learn more about this issue and how it's impacting different areas in sports as well. But I think that hearing other women speaking out about this and even I did some research after this happened because I want to understand the other point of view on this. And I watched some videos, but I wasn't entirely convinced by anyone with the stance that it was fair. And I stumbled across some videos of even trans women saying that they thought this was unfair and they didn't think it was an accurate representation of the views of all trans people. So 
I felt like this fear of being criticized or being labeled as hateful. And I felt this uncomfortable feeling with being silenced. And eventually I reached a point where I thought it was the right thing to do to say something. So I reached out to Red Bull initially and I didn't get a response. So I turned to social media and it blew up a lot. <laughs> yeah. Um, and and so what happened was you were competing against uh, a self-identified trans woman and this individual took first place and you took second place. And, you know, did I'm curious to know if anyone else spoke about this or complained about this or said anything about it, either to you or, you know, to anyone else who, who watched this competition, who witnessed all of this, who was there? I've heard people on both sides of the debate, people who were there, people who were in the contest on each side. So it's it's kind of it's kind of hard to understand how many people actually think this is fair because it's very clear that it's unfair. And I'm not saying that, you know, trans women should not skate. I'm just saying that in the area of contests, we should have a discussion to create a solution that's going to be more fair for everybody. And women are the ones who are being impacted negatively by this. So there's people on both sides. There's people who are silently agreeing with me and like in my inbox. And then most of the people who disagree are the louder ones, like in the Instagram con comments. But it's a it's this thing that people are torn on. And it's kind of crazy how how dividing it is, how how the differences and how many people are on each side. But the skate community is kind of woke. And I think that people who are um, who are like the most woke in the skate community think that everyone in the skate community is like that. And for lack of a better term, but um, I think you know what I mean. And I just think that regardless of your opinions, you need to be respectful and be able to talk about things without you know, harassing people or turning to bullying on each side. But yeah, it's a very dividing issue. And I think that we need to talk about it. Cause that's the only way that we're going to reach a point where we can understand each other and create a better solution. Do you have any insight as to why this individual chose to compete in the women's division instead of the men's division? Well, this individual identifies as a woman. And I respect that. I think that like trans identities are valid. I think though, in instances where, um, like in sports where it becomes unfair to biological women, that we need to be able to face the reality of that and change what's happening. But this person identifies as a woman and also Red Bull allowed them to do it. So I'm, I made myself clear from the beginning when I did the first interview that I didn't want people to hate on them or other trans skaters because mm -hmm. they were just doing what Red Bull allowed. And I think that the group responsible for this is the contest organizers. And I think that in sports, the groups that organize those sports should create rules that protect fairness for women's sports. And hopefully in skateboarding, they can come up with some sort of solution. And perhaps even a trans division could be an answer for that. Because there are a lot of trans skaters, which I don't think is a bad thing. I think that's good. But I just felt like 
had to say something and I um sorry, it's getting late here. I'm a little tired. Fair enough. But I um yeah, I just feel like we shouldn't hate on the trans people who do this because they're probably being encouraged by a lot of their friends to do it too. Mm-hmm. And it's probably a, a difficult position to be in. And there's not really a solution created yet, which is why we should create one sooner than later. So hopefully there will be a place for trans athletes to compete fairly and female athletes to compete fairly. Yeah, you're right. I mean, it's it's the norm right now that, you know, if you identify as a woman, then you are a woman. And for trans identified athletes, that has meant in most cases that they're competing against other women. Um, I obviously totally agree with you that it's unfair, um, and that we need to find a solution. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, but first, before you went public, you reached out to Red Bull. Uh, what did you say? I wrote an email, um, it said something along the lines of, uh, that I wanted to talk to them about what had happened at the contest in December and, I kind of explained that the trans competitor who had won had taken $5,000 of the money that was meant for the female athletes. And I felt like it was unfair and like we should have the opportunity to place and win money in the division and the space that was created for us. And I just wanted to talk to them. I asked them to reach out to me if this was the right person to reach out to or to direct me to the correct person to reach out to so we could schedule a time to talk. And they didn't reach out to me or respond to my email. Mm, that's unfortunate. Yeah. Um, and that was frustrating for me, too. I was very frustrated that I wasn't being heard. It was confirming my fears that my voice here didn't matter at all. And as soon as I spoke up and I realized people actually do care about this and a lot of people support me, I felt a huge weight lifted off my chest and I felt a relief because I wanted to speak up and do the right thing. And it was difficult to not say something for that long, but I wish we could have had a discussion about it in private previously, but it wasn't until after I spoke up that Red Bull called me one time And, um, it was before I did my first interview, like right before. And I told them that, you know, they had had a lot of time to reach out to me and it just didn't feel genuine now that they're reaching out, that it's a big news story and that they could still respond to my email. But unfortunately my schedule was pretty busy and I didn't even have the time to talk then. Mm Mm-hmm. Once you went public and you posted on Instagram explaining the situation and explaining what you were frustrated by, what was the response? At first, when it was, um, my page wasn't that large. I had like, I think 4,000 followers or something just from like skate clips over the years and traveling and meeting people. But um, I lost like 100 followers like right away and I started getting a lot of hate comments. And people calling me hateful and transphobic, people being anti-Semitic, which I also didn't want to speak up right at first because I knew that would put a target on my back for anti-Semitism. And that definitely happened. So that was really unfortunate to see. And it was extremely disappointing to see that from people who I actually knew and was friends with and had been nothing but kind to for years and years. And just because they disagree with me on something completely unrelated to me being Jewish, they attack me with anti-Semitism. Mm-hmm. 
But um, the comments quickly switched because the post started getting shared more. And I actually got a lot of messages saying things like, um, my friend shared your post saying that you were a transphobic bigot and that you're, you're awful and to go leave hate comments and spam you. But then I read it and I unfollowed them and I came and followed you to leave you a kind, <laughs> a kind comment. Good PR. So, <laughs> yeah, people didn't even realize that by sharing the posts and saying hateful things about me, they were actually getting a lot of people on my side who were not okay with the way that they were responding to it and mm -hmm. who realized that I, I was being rational. I'm not being hateful. And I don't think it, anyone should be hateful. It's unnecessary. And this isn't really about that. This is just about fairness in this one area of contests in sports. But um, yeah, I started receiving like tens of thousands of supportive messages, like long letters from people who were parents of young female athletes or female athletes themselves in a lot of different sports. I received message from Olympians who were thanking me for speaking up about this. And from college athletes, I received messages from just people who know women and girls who love sports and agree and recognize the unfairness. Also a lot of messages from trans people who said that they agreed with me and they were sorry and that the bullying I was receiving was not, represent was not representative of their entire community. And I was like, I don't think you owe me an apology. I, I knew that wasn't the case, but it was very, eye-opening to get all those messages and feel that support and know that many people were praying for me and to see all the people pouring out the kind comments, even though they knew that it might lead to them getting a bunch of spam on their page, just to try to balance out some of the hate. It was, um, that was very kind. And I really appreciate that because seeing all those hateful messages, it doesn't impact me too much because I know these things aren't true. And I know these people don't know me. They don't know what they're talking about. But to see how many people cared enough to take, you know, a few minutes of their day to try to counteract that, it meant a lot to me. And scrolling through it and seeing the kind messages really motivated me when I was feeling a bit overwhelmed at first. Yeah. But mixed response. <laughs> I mean, it's interesting because, I mean, I've been engaged in this issue for a long time and the way that it's framed in the media and on social media is really very misrepresentative of what people actually think because as much hate as I've received for speaking out about this, I've gotten, you know, far more support and supportive emails and supportive mm -hmm. messages on social media and whatnot. And <clears throat> I'm glad you had that experience, but it doesn't surprise me either. Cause I think most people, even like most people who haven't really thought about this much are not political people are not engaged in this issue are not woke are not like anti-woke, whatever you want to call them will look at something like the issue of sport and women's sport in particular and say, okay, this is clearly not fair. Like identity aside, respect aside, you know, respecting people's pronouns aside, it's just, it's not fair. And everyone kind of knows that, or most people do. I think maybe yeah. people are, some people struggle with a solution. Um, 
I agree. I think for most people, it's common sense. And for most people, you don't even need to look at a study to look at male and female athletes and recognize that males have an athletic advantage. But there's a lot of misinformation out and it's portrayed in a way in the media that it is an opinion of a lot of people. And it is the opinion of some, but you have to ignore a lot of facts to get in the boat of believing it's fair. And I think that those facts matter. So I couldn't ignore it. And I, I want to be accepting. I want people to feel included in skateboarding, especially because that's one of the things that's made me feel like I have a community. And I know that it's really important for people, not just for the skating, but also the social aspect of it. And it's, it's a great way to make friends. But in this particular area, it's just not fair. And I hope that we can find a way to include everybody that is fair. Mm -hmm. um, I'm curious to know if there are girls or young women who are maybe watching this or listening or just in general out there in the world who are interested in getting involved in skateboarding and maybe feel scared or intimidated and they don't really know how to do it. What do you say to them? What's your advice? Get a board, start skating. If you have any friends that skate, ask them to go skating with you because skating is definitely better with friends, but skateboarding is hard. Skateboarding is scary at first. So if you're scared, that's normal. But the best way to start skateboarding is to just start doing it. Learn how to ride a board, even if it's just around your neighborhood. And go to your local skate park. Check out and see if your area has any girls meetup group. A lot of skate communities have girls group where they do a meetup once a month or however often. Or um, there's even like skate instructors now. I do skate lessons back in America. So if you know somebody in the area who does skate lessons and you're interested in that, that's a good way to learn some of the basics. But if you want to skate, you should. Skateboarding is amazing and you can start slow. You could start by yourself at home in your driveway. You could go ahead and go to the park and introduce yourself to some people. But everybody's intimidated when they start skateboarding. So that's normal. And if you feel drawn to it, then it's definitely for you. Awesome. And finally, I'm curious to know if you, um, I'm curious to know if you have concerns about the impact of your having spoken out in this way about this issue on your ability to compete, compete in skateboarding, um, or, you know, just in your kind of standing in the community. Are you worried about backlash in the community? Are you worried about things being awkward? Are you worried about being you know, shut out or it impacting your career in skateboarding. I know that, you know, it's not yeah, um, fair at this point, but. Well, I feel like nobody can ever take skateboarding away from me. At, no matter what happens, whether I compete or not, which I don't think it's going to be um, a big issue. I probably won't be doing any Red Bull contests anytime soon. That probably won't happen, but that's okay. I don't want to, I don't want to go compete in an unfair way anyway. I'd rather go someplace that actually values women. And I've had multiple skate parks reach out to me and tell me they support me and I could come compete there. So okay. a lot of people don't realize that these people support me and are privately messaging me. And the only reason they're not commenting is because they don't want to 
get hate on their pages because they've seen what's happened on mine. But this is this has actually brought me more opportunities. And I, I this wasn't the reason I did it. I did it because it was an issue where I saw something unjust and felt like I needed to speak up. And also I'm an am, so I didn't have as much to lose. I feel like if you were a professional with multiple sponsors who are so woke that they're going to drop you and cut you off if you say anything they disagree with, that you couldn't say anything. So as an am who's 27 years old, which is pretty old for skateboarding, <laughs> who is more interested in like just skateboarding and possibly finding a place to settle down, doing some more traveling and having a family in, you know, not the immediate future, but sometime down the line. I just felt like this was more of an issue that might affect my kids one day. I'm not going to be doing skateboarding contests forever. I do them when they come around and it's really fun, but it's not the main part of my life and it's not the main part of my skateboarding. Most of the time I go skateboarding, I just go to the park by myself or with some friends, stay there for a few hours, uh, work on a trick, either get frustrated or get a clip and have a good time and have a good exercise and then go home really happy that I did what I love that day. Mm hmm. Well, I'm glad to hear all that. Um, it was really, really great to talk with you. Um, I'm really happy that we got to connect. And I think that you're a great role model for girls and young women. I feel the same way about you, Megan. I saw your Joe Rogan interview. And I have checked out your channel more when you reached out to me. But I was really excited to speak to somebody who is also vocal on these issues and stands up for women like myself. Because it's difficult to advocate for yourself in this position. So I'm very grateful that there are others who are doing that. And you are a voice who does that and has a large platform to do it. So thank you, not just for me, but on behalf of many female athletes who feel this way. That's very kind. Um, it's true. <laughs> thank you. Well, thank you so much for your time. I know it's late for you. So I'm going to let you go. No, I'm sorry if I sounded a little tired, but I wanted to fit in the interview with you. And I really appreciate you having me and reaching out. You sounded great. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. Take care. Have a great night. Thank you. You too. I'm Megan Murphy, host of The Same Drugs. Thank you for tuning in. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider becoming a patron on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash Megan Murphy. This allows you access to special content, early access to episodes, and almost weekly private live streams. Alternatively, you can support this podcast directly on anchor.fm via the support button. I produce and host this podcast all by myself. I have no major funders, advertisers, institutional support, grants, or sponsors. It's all me and you, the listener. You can donate any amount you like from $5 a month to 20 to 100 or more or less. It all counts. Thank you so much for supporting Conversations Outside the Algorithm.